Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-centered leader in confessional broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at KFUO.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the book of Concord, our Lutheran confession of the faith that guides our conversation that we may have that mind of Christ. And to do that, we have our cohort of Christ-confessing Concordians with us today, Layman Peter Slayton, who is the social media manager for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, Pastor Peter Ill, who is the pastor of Trinity in Milstadt, Illinois, and I'm your host, Pastor Sean Smith. I'm the pastor of Emmanuel and... St. Paul's. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's another one. Yeah. What was no, the other one? I live right next to it. Uh, but uh, yeah, St. Paul's in uh, in Southern Illinois. Um, in the beautiful wilds of, of Wine Hill and West Point. That is correct. Outside of Steelville, in case you're taking a map. And Campbell Hill, technically. I don't know yeah. where Campbell any Hill, of those sorry. places yeah. are. It that's is, that's it why I just say country. Southern Illinois. Yeah, because, okay. Yeah. And then sometimes it feels like you cover all of Southern Illinois. You know, <laughs> you just drive around making hospital visits and things like that. But wonderful, beautiful ministry that uh, we have there. Uh, both Pastor Ill and I uh, in Southern Illinois, it's a great uh, blessing to minister to those saints there. But also a great blessing to uh, to have this show where we, we read through the Book of Concord and we continue to make our way through the Small Called Articles, which is the Confession of Faith written by Martin Luther himself. Some call it the Last Will and Testament of Luther, uh, prepared for a, a council that never happened, unfortunately, but uh, confesses that uh, clear faith um uh beautifully and wonderfully and so uh we're we're drawing to a close on this small called articles but um we we have some 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 important things to hit before we do mm-hmm. one of them being what we're going to cover today which is article 13 how one is justified before god and does good works i mean if, if there's anything that is potentially what the reformation was all about I think it's this, right? Uh, so, Pastor L, I know you tried to jump in there. For our uh, for our uh, Concordians listening at home, though, we probably want to specify that it's Part Three, Article Thirteen. Uh, the small called articles are set up uh, kind of in layers, where the first part is the gospel, the second part is those things that are the most clear distinctions and and some of the uh, most challenging distinctions between the Lutheran reformers and the Roman Catholic Church, and then the third part is the things that flow out of the gospel and out of those other things, and we see these as kind of the touch points and uh, perhaps I can say the skirmish lines of the distinctions between the Roman Catholic Church and the uh, the Church of the Reformation. And this is still one of the uh, skirmish lines today. When I get to visit with Christians, uh, especially Lutheran Christians, they will say, now, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, they talk about works this way, and we talk about works that way, or or there will be some questions about works, and this is a question that is as true in 1537 as it is in 2019. And being able to, to have this conversation uh, with our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ, with our Lutheran brothers and sisters in Christ, with any other brother and sister in Christ, is a really important uh, thing that we need to be able to do, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to a good conversation today. 
Before we go on to Layman Slayton, who I know wants to jump in, <laughs> you, you wait till the end of the small called articles to drop the image, the skirmish lines. I mean, we could have been using this all along, <laughs> Pastor Ill, and, and you wait until today to break out that image. Come on, Layman Slayton, Sorry, go guys. ahead. Well, I think that that feeds into what I was going to say. I liked how you fra- how you suggested that you know if there was something that was at the heart of the Reformation, where we finally get into that point. So, in terms of those skirmish lines. I think one of the struggle that is going to be highlighted here is we talk about justification. Roman Catholics talked about justification. We talk about good works. They talk about good works. But there is a distinction that needs to be made between those two things and those lines. Maybe they're battle lines. Maybe they're not. Battle lines in terms of the discussion of them. Lines need to be drawn between them because... The problem is that when the distinction isn't made, they get confused and drawn into each other. And so what we're going to talk about today is clarifying those terms once again and making sure that each one gets put in their proper place and they don't get confused and mixed in with each other where, what we've talked about a lot, the confusion ends up being that the good works actually help in the justification or cause the justification and when we deny that that's true, we get accused of saying there's no good works necessary at all. So that's the the skirmish, if you will, that we're going to be going through once again today. Which tying back in with something that you said earlier on in that is that, uh, you know, they talk about good works, we talk about good works. And you kind of hinted there at the end, sometimes as Lutherans, we're accused of not talking about good works, yeah. right? We, <laughs> we make that chief article uh, upon which the church stands or falls, and we've talked about this many times. It's the longest article in the entire book of Concord uh, in the in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. We covered, I don't know what, like six months of it when we went through the Apology of the Augsburg Confession on this show. I thought it was a year, but... Yeah, maybe. It was really long, but uh, the, it's the, a blur. the article on justification, the, the doctrine of our of justification for us is is very very important and and will be i mean you can already by the title see it's going to tie in how we talk about good works and you <laughs> yep, set that up yep. really well um but but one of the things that often happens is that we would be accused of well you don't talk about good works and that mm-hmm. was already going on at the time of the reformation sure. and so it, it it is really important to have this article because the question eventually comes right well, well, where do good works fit in? Mm-hmm. All right. So you're saved by grace through faith. Great. All right. Um, but but what about good works? Aren't we supposed to do good works like like Jesus? Right. <laughs> you know, and, and so we're going to have to talk about some of these things um, as, as it unfolds, as our discussion unfolds here and so yeah. forth. But, uh, yeah, very, very key article um, just because. You know, at times that that charge comes that we don't talk about them. So, uh, how about we just go ahead and read the article? It's it's short enough. We're going to read it in its entirety, and then we can just, you know, as we so often do, end up talking about CFW Walther and everything else that's on our minds anyway. Um, but uh, no, and we'll Jesus. talk about this. Yeah, not in that order. It's always about Jesus, but that's justification, right? It, it, exactly. Yeah. So. What about did good we just works say like Jesus? Jesus is justification and Walther is sanctification? Is that no, what just happened? No, we did happened? not say that. No, okay, Dear good. listener, please bear with us. We did not actually say that. And derailed. Not a record. I mean, we, we've been derailed in the first 30 seconds before. It's really more of a kettle. But, uh, let's get back to the, to the conversation here because this is important stuff. All right, so, so I'm going to read part three of the small called articles. Um, article 13, 
how one is justified before God and does good works. And we are using the Concordia Reader's Edition of the Book of Concord, available from Concordia Publishing House, which is celebrating their 150th anniversary tomorrow. There's a service. I'm really pleased that uh, I'll uh, be able to attend that, and it'll be a beautiful celebration that the publishing arm of our church body continues to produce faithful resources like this reader's edition of the Book of Concord that we use on this show. So thank you for that, uh, CPH, and blessings on your anniversary. Now back to the Book of Concord. Here's the article. I do not know how to change in the least what I have previously and constantly taught about justification. Namely, that through faith, as St. Peter says, we have a new and clean heart, citing Acts 15, 9 through 11. And God will and does account us entirely righteous and holy for the sake of Christ, our mediator, citing 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. Although sin in the flesh has not yet been completely removed or become dead, citing Romans seven eighteen, yet he will not punish or remember it. Such faith, renewal, and forgiveness of sins are followed by good works, citing Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. What is still sinful or imperfect in them will not be counted as sin or defect for Christ's sake. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 2, Romans 4, 7 through 8. The entire individual, both his person and his works, is declared to be righteous and holy from pure grace and mercy, shed upon us and spread over us in Christ. Therefore, we cannot boast of many merits and works. If they are viewed apart from grace and mercy, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 31. Namely, that he has a gracious God. For with that, all is well. We say, besides, that if good works do not follow, the faith, the faith is false and not true. Okay, that's kind of a rough ending. <laughs> I mean, but it, it doesn't say anything different than the book of James right. says, right? Which, which I find interesting is not cited here, but I mean, it's not always a thorough citing. I mean know your bible all right yeah. <laughs> uh, luther would say or maybe he wouldn't say that i don't know but 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 james does kind of make this point right and 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 luther's making this point that that if they're if the good works aren't following faith is dead well that 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 is kind of an ouch thing so i know you both want to jump in on this well, and there's a, a lot question. of other things yeah, to hit too. i have a question for the pastors here mm-hmm. how is luther defining good works like what what does he actually mean when he's talking about that, because it, it, is this simply, look, if I'm not helping the old lady cross the road who's clearly having difficulty and I just walk on by her, is that a good work? Is that is that what he's talking about? Is is good work something else? Is is good works related to what I choose to consume in terms of media, which we might talk about a little bit later? What What is good works? Luther would often fall back when thinking about good works on what he would refer to as the law of love and the way that Jesus uh, would respond to the Pharisees and those who would question him, even as Moses would uh, refer to it in in the first five books of the Old Testament, that uh, the law is summed up as love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the question ultimately for Luther would, would be, uh, how does this serve in love toward God and in love toward one another? And so is helping the old lady across the street serving her in love? Then it's then it's a good work. Is uh, the media that you consume or the way that you give to church or uh, 
any of the other things that you mentioned, making sure that your family is cared for and provided for, are these things good works? Well, then, in, when done in love, they are. And Luther is also clear, though, that he says anything that you do is going to be tainted by sin. We have the opposite of King Midas's touch. You know, that's the uh, the story <laughs> about King Midas and everything he touches turns to gold, and it kind of becomes problematic when he starts turning like his daughter into gold. Mm-hmm. But uh, for us, we have the sinful touch. Everything we touch, we we seem to defile and screw up and make worse. But Luther says here in in the second paragraph really helpfully. Even what we in and of ourselves would mess up is full and complete and recognized good by Christ. And and so Luther would conclude by saying, everything done in love is indeed a good work. But goodness is really only known by its connection to Jesus. It isn't that it's done by a Christian that makes it good. It's not something's... Uh, value to the recipient that makes it good, but it is the fact that it is commanded and blessed by Jesus that makes these things good. Uh, kind of controversially, you could say good works are the, are, the nat- are, are the purview and the nature of the Christian, but the unbeliever, they do works and God uses them for good, but they don't do good works, not in the way we're talking about good works in this article. Uh, I, and I don't, please don't get me wrong. Uh, people who are outside the faith do wonderful humanitarian things, but they are not regarded by God as good works because the idea of a good work is a work that is given and blessed by Jesus. As you were speaking, I thought of Romans fourteen twenty three. that just kind of I'm wondering if this speaks to this at all. The very last sentence in that verse is, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Is that the distinction you were making there at the end between good works, not good works, and why the unbeliever has no good works because there is no faith? Therefore, everything that proceeds from them is is sin because they, there is no faith from which it can proceed. Is that what we're, what we're ta- talking about? Right. And if you're listening along and you're saying, wait, this sounds... This sounds uh, kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> this is going to hurt. <laughs> it, 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 it is somewhat uncomfortable. It's okay to, yeah. to just admit, yeah, I'm feeling a little out of sorts with this. And please don't misunderstand. We're not trying to say that uh, the the things that are done by people who are outside the faith are uh, according to the way we see things in the world in front of us. We're we're not saying they're bad necessarily. We're saying they're done outside of the Christian faith, and what makes things good ultimately is in the eye of God, not in the eye of you and me. So we could talk about organizations that do humanitarian work, and we can say, yeah, from a human perspective, that's a good thing, but before God, these things aren't done in the name of Jesus, and it is the name of Jesus that makes all things good. I think it's important to distinguish something we're kind of dancing around here. I think you've described, um, but there's a couple of kinds of righteousness going on here, right? And so we can see our unbelieving neighbor, right? Help that old lady across the street. And, And we would say that's a good work. Right. That, that, that is, that is, it's a good thing for them to do. That is a good thing for them to do. But when we, when we're talking about that being a good work, it is in a horizontal person to person life in this world 
kind of good work, right? But in terms of, and, and elsewhere, especially in the Augsburg Confession, we would talk about these things as truly good works, and they and they put that modifier on there, truly good works, right? And we've talked about this some before as we've gone through that, especially in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, that that what we mean by truly is that it, it has to be done in proceeding forth from faith, trust in Christ as your Savior, mm-hmm. right? For it to be acceptable to, to God. Because even... You know, even in the way that we've been discussing this here, right? Uh, Pastor Ill mentioned our our sins, or, or even our best works, are tainted with sin, right? Um, and even more, the the very nature of your question, Layman Slayton, is what's a good work? Well, there's a lot of good works out there, <laughs> and guess what? I've probably passed on doing at least 150 of them today. I haven't been keeping count, yeah, right. And it's not like I even actively passed on like i saw that and i was like yep not doing that you know it's not even that it's just you know there's so many good works that are available to us at any given time and and so then we also have the freedom of the christian you know to to participate in many good things but we can't do them all and we can't fulfill them all because we live in this sin-tainted world where uh the weakness of the flesh just doesn't permit us Right and and the binding of time uh, that that we live in, there's just not enough time to get all the good works in that are available to us each and every single day and moment to do right, mm. and so that too is tainted by sin. Then why don't you do all the good works that are available there to for you to do, right? And and we can certainly go on longer discussions down those <laughs> sorts of things too. But but the reality is is that it's all wrapped up in sin, right? And so. Uh, in order for it to be a truly good work, acceptable and pleasing to God, who demands perfection, be be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, right? Well, it, it does take that perfection, and only the one who trusts in Christ as His perfect righteousness, right? It's not in my doing of the good works, but I trust that Christ has perfectly been righteous, right, mm-hmm. and that He is acceptable and pleasing to God as Heavenly Father. He is the one with whom God says, "I am well pleased," and it is through faith in Him that He then reckons that righteousness to me, right? Mm-hmm. As we've talked about, and so that's what we mean by a truly good work. Otherwise, you know, I I can do these good things in a horizontal sense, but they benefit me none uh, because they're not truly good. Why didn't you do all the other good works? Why did you do that out of selfish motivation so that you could look good for the for the cute girl standing across the street that you wanted to catch her attention, right? Yeah. Or whatever else it may be. I really need to find a new... <laughs> <laughs> People are going to think I'm weird that I always use that kind of idea, but do, anyway. Do we ever use the term spiritually good works? Is that used to, 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 to differentiate between the good work? and Because it's, it's kind of in the... It's, it's our... Sp- I don't know, our eternal, eternally good works, I don't know, other than truly good works. I'm just trying to think, are there other terms that might help further clarify that get used, or is that pretty much all we do with that one? I'm I'm not aware of that okay. as, a, as a turn of phrase. In I, I'm thinking of all the ways I can get in, in the, trouble with it, but yeah. I, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I try to be a pretty simple guy. <laughs> and and I try to stick as as very tightly as possible as I can with the words of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And Scripture uses the the word for good works, and that's that's what we have is just good sure. works. And so uh, I I don't try to add too much to that. But in reading Scripture, 
it raises the question that uh, there's a little bit of a chicken and the egg kind of a thing going on here. You know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, or which comes first, the faith or the good works? And so often as Christians, there's a temptation for us to uh, to justify our faith and to to prove our faith by saying, well, just look at all the good works that I do. I'm a Christian because I need to be a good person, or I'm a good person because I'm a Christian. And we, and we try to... I go to church at as, least once a month. We, we try to use that as a sense of self-justification and self-righteousness. But when Scripture speaks in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, this is something that's cited uh, in our reading. And I'd like to just read Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, because I think it's really helpful here. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And as we talk about these things that we do, we are walking in the way of Jesus we are walking in the way of the faith that has been given us, not because we need to prove that we're good people, but because now that Jesus has died and is raised from the dead for us, now that Jesus has baptized us into his kingdom and is feeding us with his own body and his own blood from the cross to us here and now, now that Jesus is speaking his words into our ears, what else can we do but the good works that he has prepared and... Sometimes we'd like to look back at ourselves and say, well, that didn't seem to be such a good work. To which Jesus responds, but that love was made perfect in my weakness, and it is completely sanctified and made holy. It is completely justified and made right by my work. Because it's not up to me or you or anybody else to declare my work is good. Jesus is the one who says that this work is good. And when Jesus says it, that means we believe it. Uh, and sometimes we want to look back at ourselves and we end up wanting to ask that law question of, now was this a good work or wasn't it? And Jesus' answer is, it's a work done in my name. Therefore, it's a good work. No matter how well or not well you did what you did, it's in my name and I am the one who purified it just like I am the one who purifies you. I want, to, I want to take this a little further, especially talking about you, you throughout sanctified and justified and talking about the relation there and things like that. Well, well we're going to go further down that trail because there, there's a lot to, to chase here. But but even in what you were just talking about there and kind of even evaluating and looking at, you know, was this a good work? Is that not a good work? Um, you know, and, and even being aware of it and so forth. What rings in my mind is Matthew 25. Uh, where Jesus comes in the final judgment, mm, and, you know, starts out when the Son of Man comes yeah. in His glory, and He separates out the sheep and the goats, right? And and I find it interesting in that that parable that our Lord gives us, right? Um, that that it is the the sheep, right, who have done these good works, right? I, w- I was hungry and you fed me, I was naked and you clothed me, all of those things, right? In prison and you visited me, and they're like, when 
when did we do that? They're not even aware <laughs> that they were doing the good works, right? Which I think is is really important for us, right? You know, don't don't waste your time getting caught up in in evaluating your good works, right? I think it's the sinful flesh that wants to check those things out because then it's the the goats, right? You know, the ones who are on the wrong side there that you don't want to be on, right? Uh, who are kind of pointing to their good works and they're like, didn't we do that? And 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 it, I think it boils down to this point that we're making here, right? If it's absent that faith, it's not a truly good work, right? And and it and it it, it merits you nothing, um, and and even your good works. So, so I mean, it makes that that clear point that that even your good works cannot save you because they're not perfect, right? And and if you're pointing to them, looking to them, finding any kind of hope or security in them, right, it, it will leave you wanting in the end. The only good work that is truly acceptable is Jesus, right? <laughs> His good work, the work that He has done, and and so our trust in Him guides us in 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 right living that we we just have the the freedom of the Christian. Then, as I talked about, to you know, you just have so much available to you. Just do it, do it, do it. In love for your neighbor and, and don't worry about it and, and trust in Jesus because his work is what saves you. And, and then there will just be an abundance of things that you're not even aware of. And on the last day, the Lord's going to be like, oh man, that was really great. Uh, and you're like, wow, I didn't even know that. Right? <laughs> what? What was great? What was yeah. it? I missed it. This is a, a place where it's really helpful to make sure that we are properly distinguishing law and gospel. Uh, law being God's commands and gospel being God's promises. And as we start to think about that, we want to make really, really clear these good works are a are a result of the gospel. We're not doing them because anybody is wagging a finger at us and saying, you have to do them. And sometimes my own sinful flesh, my own sinful nature and desires, they say, well, you need to go prove to people what a good work is. You need to show off that you're a good pastor. You need to prove yourself. You need to you need to earn your earn your way this or that. And that's just bogus. I am completely and totally sufficient because Jesus has suffered and died for me. Now that Jesus has suffered and died for me, what else would I do but those things that he has given me? Not because I have to or not because I have to make it up to him. Uh, there's no law breathing down my neck, but because I am one who is loved by Jesus, what else would I want to do? I am completely Jesus's and he improves upon who I am. Uh, he has made me holy and righteous, and he takes all of my unholiness and unrighteousness and completes what I can't do for myself. It's a faithful confession, which is a good work itself, as is then listening to the show a good work. And so, dear listener, Ooh, please come right back you listen in after faith. this break. We won't know until the end. <laughs> You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. 
How is suffering a necessary part of the Christian life? And how does God's word continue both to bring suffering and work in the midst of suffering? Live Tuesday on Issues Etc. We'll continue our conversation with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, author of the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, A Martyr's Faith. We'll talk about suffering. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Moral Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Two undercover journalists are facing criminal charges for exposing Planned Parenthood selling aborted baby body parts for profit. Sandra Merritt and David DeLayden are charged with 14 felony counts of illegal recording, and they could face 10 years in prison. Listen to World Lutheran News Digest next Wednesday and again Saturday as I speak with an attorney about the case. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Thousands of tourists visit Rome each year just to look up at the ceiling. What draws their attention is the magnificent work of Renaissance artist Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel. Each fresco is a scene from the Bible. The work of earlier artists cover the walls of the chapel, one depicting the life of Christ, the other the life of Moses. Michelangelo painted nine scenes running the entire length of the chapel. The ceiling begins with the creation from the book of Genesis and continues with the story of Noah. Michelangelo also included the biblical prophets and ancestors of Jesus. His painting of the Last Judgment on the altar wall of the chapel completed the Old and New Testament visualized in Michelangelo's work. Engage with the Bible in every sphere of its influence over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. And welcome back to the good work of listening to Concord Matters as we continue to make our way through the small called articles. When you send when you send in your responses to these statements that Pastor Smith is making, make sure you direct them to Pastor Sean Smith's attention. Yes. Here well, hang on now. Hang on. I didn't say that. Hang on I now. don't want to get in trouble. Wait a minute. Dear so listener, we're glad we you're We won't with know us. until the final judgment if this is a good work anyway. Wrong, sir. Wrong, <laughs> sir. Out of order. <laughs> Does scripture not say that faithful confession is a good work? It does. It does say that. All right, then. By the way, I'm Pastor Sean Smith, your host. This is Pastor Peter Hill that just answered that. The Rebel And Layman Slayton. Back to business here. It, <laughs> scripture says it's a good work. Right. Scripture says that a faithful, faithful confession, confession is, is a good, good work. work. Right. It is listening mm-hmm. to a pro- radio program mm-hmm. a good work. Are we making a faithful confession yeah. on this radio program as we read and through the faithful confession that we all subscribe this is to? This a really long syllogism. I'm not sure if I'm following. We're helping our dear listeners to be able to make the faithful confession. And and therein, 
we are uh, in faith aiding their truly good work in Christ of making that confession. And as much as our faith confession is faithful as we attempt. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't make this too complicated. And, and covered by Christ and his grace and when even, we fail. And, and, and I'm, just, I'm, yeah, I'm just acknowledging that now, I'm going to screw now, up in my now, confession obviously, even on this show. <laughs> I'm getting to a really important question here. Okay. All right. So, I mean... Obviously, I'm being somewhat flippant and having some fun, as we tend to do, at least with this crew. I, I'm a more serious radio show with my other guests, <laughs> but but with you guys, um, I don't allow. There's that. no holding us back. Yeah, yeah, sorry, it just you doesn't just can't happen. control me. Uh, you know, I try to keep things in order, but 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 back to a serious nature here, right? All right, so so out of, out of the, the the flippant side of it, right? So so scripture says. Faithful confession is a good work. We can we can trust that because God's word reveals that to us. Mm-hmm. All right. So, if good works are a result of the gospel, as we've laid out in the first half here, and Scripture says to do good works, like a faithful confession and so forth, are they necessary? I mean, how do they how do they play into? I mean, can can we not say? And and so this is a multi-party question here. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of things that I want us to get at with this, right? So, so are they necessary? And then, you know, flippancy aside, right? You know, can I say that listening to this show where we seek to make a faithful confession, right, uh, is a good work? Can can I can I point that out to a brother or sister Christian? All right. So take either one of those two questions. And, and and go ahead and respond here. I would like to start with the first part. All right, uh, do that. Based on Matthew 25 and the sheep and the goats that we were talking about before the break, uh, when Jesus points to the works that are done by those who are faithful and those who are well-loved, uh, he says, these are the things that you did. Because Jesus has this assumption that you do things. Uh and then he looks at those who didn't do things, and he says, and here, look at the things you didn't do. Or you can look at the epistle of James and say, oh yeah, you can say, I believe, but I'll say to you, where is your works? For faith without works is dead, as it says in James 2.14. And good works are necessary, period. Sometimes the question gets asked, though, are good works necessary for salvation? And that, uh, based on Ephesians 2 that we had also read before the break, I want to make, be really clear. Good works don't justify you. Good works don't send you to heaven. Good works don't do anything to accomplish your salvation except for the good work of Jesus Christ when he suffered and died for you on the cross. There is nothing that you or I can do to make ourselves righteous or good. It is Jesus who makes our good works good. And out of that, we then go on to say, good works are necessary because we are walking in the way that Christ Jesus has prepared for us, walking in those good works that he has given us to do. Good works are necessary, and good works automatically follow faith. That's that's actually the Greek word, is automatically. Uh, And... All by themselves, they happen for the faithful because Jesus brings them about. Those good works are necessary, or faith can get called into question, and appropriately so. Which then ties into my second question, maybe. All right. 
But go ahead and finish. Well, I, I, I actually had seen uh, Mr. Slayton getting ready to jump up and down. So. Okay. Well, a little bit because I, I think w- what I have found to be helpful in looking at this is the, the Christ uses the metaphor of a, a tree. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. That's just the nature of it. That's how it works. There's no other. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit and a good tree isn't going to bear bad fruit. That's... That's just not how it works. So as a Christian, when I have been justified, when I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, when I am saved, whatever language we want to use in that, okay, at that point I'm now a good tree. You know, that salvation is the good tree. So what does a tree do? Well, it bears fruit. That's just the natural outcome of being a good tree. You you bear good fruit, um, which led me to Galatians 5. Um, where we talk about the fruits of the spirit. Wondering <laughs> where I was going. That's the second part, not the first oh, part. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, For a second, I was really <laughs> concerned. No, but we have to start. With, I want to start with the works of, works of the flesh before we get to the fruit of the spirit because I think that's important. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, starting here in uh, verse nineteen: sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. This is a long list. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, ooh, there's works, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, this helps with that tree metaphor, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This, this, when we're talking about good works, for me, this is actually a more helpful way, terminology, if you will, than good works themselves, because it's so easy to get that confusion. When we're talking the, the distinction earlier, well, my neighbor will raise his children, he will feed them, he will clothe them, he will take care of them, he will make sure they get a good education. These are all good things. I will do the same things with my kids. And yet, my good works are are good works that Jesus will recognize as good works, and him doing the same thing, his will not be recognized as good works because he's not a Christian, he's not doing them in faith. Yeah, provided that they aren't done in faith. Yeah. Correct. That's that's what I'm talking Yeah, okay. I should have said my non-Christian neighbor. <laughs> I should have started with that. And, and it just, you can see, we spend so much time arguing about that, and then it's like, well, so are you saying that your neighbor is evil? Are you saying he's a bad person? You get into all those sorts of things that's just confusing. Well, This is a little bit different. Here the focus is on what is the fruit being born out in your life, and more importantly, who's actually doing that? Well, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We make it clear, it's not me doing this in me. It's still God working this in me, not to my salvation, because remember, this is the end of Galatians. Paul's talking to people who are already Christians. We've established that earlier in Galatians. Now we're talking about what does it look like to live as a Christian, well, it looks like this as the Holy Spirit bears this fruit in you. Here are these good works. And he doesn't necessarily use works in this passage. He will do that elsewhere. But here, this is what it looks like. And and I don't want to completely get away from the idea of uh, 
I, I, for a second, I was afraid you were saying that we should get away from talking about good works and simply start talking about fruit of the spirit. Uh, <laughs> and and I appreciate your point, but as I kept listening, uh, you didn't say that at all. <laughs> and and I, I just want to say that's a really important distinction that Scripture does talk about good works. Jesus assumes, St. Paul assumes, uh, Peter assumes Hebrews assumes, Revelation assumes that Christians do good works because those good works are are the fruit of what is done for us by Christ. And so we keep doing those things because they are the, the automatic result of faith and they are assumed for us. Okay, so I, I still have my question here to be answered. <laughs> and, and as you were talking here... Um, what jumped to my mind was I, I got to be to join a lectionary study earlier. I'm a one year guy. I've said that on the show many times, but I, I know in the three year series coming up um, that the epistle reading first Timothy um, I'm, chapter one, but I'm not sure all the verses, but I, I know in the optional verses that you may hear in your church, if you go to a three year lectionary church um, is it, it starts with verse five. And it says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. All right. So here, here you have St. Paul exhorting Pastor Timothy, right, mm-hmm. to, to do this. And, and as we were digging into the Greek at the lectionary study that I was at, the, the, what, what's translated as in the ESV here, the aim of our charge, it's, it's the telos, right, the, the end, the goal, Right. And, and almost and, the fulfillment. Yeah. The fulfillment, a better way to translate it for sure. Um, and so, you know, if, if the fulfillment of our charge, what we're given to do is love, which is a work, right? A, a good work here. Right. And, and he relates that into proceeding from a pure heart and sincere faith. Right. Clearly, St. Paul has no problems with exhorting to good works. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it relates back to my question, right, of can I not exhort to a good work, flippancy aside, of, you know, faithful confession, a, a show that seeks to do that and, and encourage that and so forth. Can, can we not exhort brother and sister Christians to do good works? Can, or I, I think Layman Slayton in our break, you were, you were maybe showing your more Baptist-y background <laughs> with, with this word of accountability accountability you know yeah we lutherans we don't talk that way i know we don't like that that's a scary yeah. word but 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 in a sense right or you know we like the word exhort yes and, um you know how does this play yeah. in you know how, how, how do i can i do that even there comes a point where i think we just simply get afraid or maybe even allergic to this idea of talking about works and pastor smith if i come to you and i say I want to encourage you in your good works. I want to encourage you to do well for yourself and your congregation, for your family, and and to love them out of the love with which Jesus has loved you. Um, well, all of a sudden, uh, there's a concern that 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 might get a little bit preachy, and that somehow you might take take offense at that. And uh, how dare I encourage you to to good works? Well, and I I think. I think this is the concern that that floats around from time to time. And even in the middle of that concern, though, we are called exactly to do that. That is exactly what Paul does. It's exactly what the Apostle John does. It's exactly what Jesus does. 
and a whole lot of others too. And so we continue to say, yes, go live in the new life that Christ has given you. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so keep living in that faith and in that faithfulness. I, I, I don't think that I would get offended if you encourage me. Right. Okay. Because encouragement is like, yeah, that that's a good thing. Go ahead. You know, like, but, but I can take or leave encouragement is, is the way I see it. Maybe, maybe I'm just seeing the word wrong. Maybe I'm playing too much into this, but, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the biblical word exhort okay. here, or even accountability would have this, right? That, that it's not just, you know, I encourage you to do this. This is a good thing for you to do, but but I'm going to exhort you to do this. You, you, you should be doing this. You should be living this way. Here's, here's where the rubber has hit the road for me um, personally and in the conversations of which I've been a part in person or online. I always mention online. It's like I live there or something. Um, you know, so I'll, 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 I'll name one t- uh, TV show, but then I'm going to name one that I actually do watch because you could say the same thing about me. So we make sure that we're accusing me first. <laughs> Probably the biggest one you see online in Christian circles is Game of Thrones, where you will have somebody say, you know what? There is so much objectionable content in that series, Christians probably shouldn't be watching it. Now, I'll say within our Lutheran circles, we have articles out there defending it, saying here's why it's okay for a Christian to watch this. Or if they're not saying that outright, they're implying it by their defense of it. Okay, so I haven't watched it, but I do enjoy the John Wick series of movies. And if you're familiar with those at all, they are really violent. I, I live under a rock. What are the John Wick movies? <laughs> well, I was just going to describe, they're, oh, they're really violent. He's a hitman. So the oh, whole okay. point is this this gentleman is a hitman. He's attempting to get out of the business. He ends up getting sucked back in. And so there have been three moves. I haven't seen the third one yet. But the first two is basically him fighting back and killing people in many and various gory ways. Rated R, lots of hyper-violent, lots of language. I enjoy watching it. As a Christian, I probably shouldn't. And if somebody comes to me and says, you know what? Given the language, uh, it's rated R, the violence in those movies, how can you as a Christian watch those movies? Now, as this plays out in the exhortation, in the accountability, generally speaking, my response, were I to respond the way most people do, and Frankly, the way I do tend to respond is, well, how dare you say that to me? Who are you to speak of me, to, to speak to me in that way? I'm a Christian. I'm saved by grace, not by my works. And in my Christian freedom, this doesn't affect me. And so I'm going to go ahead and watch it and I'm totally fine. Even though uh, in the list that I read, we've got anger, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, drunkenness. I mean, Okay, I just listed a whole list of things that are not fruit of the Spirit that are fruit of this world, and I'm entertained by them by watching this show. This is where the rubber hits the roads for us Lutherans. When you point at me and say, this thing that you enjoy, I'm not sure you should be enjoying it. I'm not sure you should be taking a part in it. And we tend to blow up. And you either get called a pietist, um, which is a technical term from our history, or... You get labeled an antinomian, which is the law doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want kind of view. That's an extreme side. This is where Lutherans and good works, I think we still get accused of not doing good works or not talking about good works. And I think this is where that argument actually holds some weight. When it comes down to that personal, 
how should I live as a Christian? I'm already justified. I am already saved. Now I'm a Christian. What does what is God's will for my life now? Is it to actually enjoy these things? Should I find these sin this sin being celebrated enjoyable or should I not? And I'm going to walk away from this show still struggling with that and I might still go see John Wick 3. And this is like the Romans 7 conflict that I have. <laughs> I'm I'm going to walk away saying I know it's sin but I still want to enjoy it. I'm an awful person. This is really bad. This, this torment is is horrible. One, I'm going to tell you to go to your pastor, not just because I know him and know him to be an excellent <laughs> pastor. Uh, I was just meeting with him at that lectionary study this morning. So uh, awesome. Um, I'll, I'll text him here in a little bit and tell him <laughs> to expect you. He might um, be listening. But, I think he, he's on the but, show but on occasion. No, I, I, Hi, I, Peter's pastor. <laughs> Kevin Golden. He, he's been on the show before. He, yeah, he's, he's a great good. pastor. Yeah. Um, so, so Dr. Kevin Golden... But uh, but no, I, I think we do need to to have those conversations with our pastors, and we need to be seeking pastoral counsel in mm-hmm. these things, and and be seeking con- and go for confession and absolution to do that. But but for the purposes of this show, because we've made the point before, this show is not to replace pastors, right? right. But yep. to give teaching, right? And so so you've presented a um, a spectrum, if you will, right? That if I exhort you. Or, or try to hold you accountable for the Christian life that that good works should be evident in, right? We, we, we've made that point clear. The Small Called Articles makes that point clear. The Augsburg Confession makes that clear. Um, the entire Book of Concords supports this, right? In our media-saturated culture, I think using media right now is a good entry right. point for this. That's why right. I used it. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but then you presented this tension for us, right? And that, you know, if I exhort you to good works... You know, because they should be evident in your life. I'm either labeled as a pietist, or if I don't exhort you to good works, I'm labeled as an antinomian. So, what do I do? Help us resolve this tension in terms of a teaching thing here. Um, you know, just just on the teaching level, how do we hold this tension? Do do we exhort to good works? Yes, <laughs> yes, we do. Um, and I know in so I can say, you listen pietist. to this show. <laughs> It's a good work, because faithful confession is a good work, supported by Scripture. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it to you. All right. I, I, okay. I think here, here's the thing. that this to, to me, this is part of the the art of rightly distinguishing law and gospel and, and applying it. And actually, so as my pastor or as a fellow Christian, this isn't just something that my pastor needs to do to me in confession and absolution, but also as fellow Christians to each other is in rightly applying law and gospel. So I think the tension that we run into is I'm I'm scared to call your sin sin because of the way you might react. There's also this tension I know that I have the same sin within myself, and so I might be scared to call out your sin because then you might be able to point at the sin I have. So that's why I've intentionally tried to give an example of, look, Okay, I'm just going to be up front. Here's, I have the same sin, so if I'm going to call out Game of Thrones, I've got the same thing going on over here. It, there's no difference between us. But if we don't rightly call out the sin, how can we actually rightly proclaim the gospel and that forgiveness to the individual? Because I've, if I refuse to call sin what it is, well, then that means there's no forgiveness that's needed for this. Jesus is not needed, so there is not going to be any gospel for this. And so if I come at this and say, it's okay, you're forgiven, 
doesn't matter what you do, you're forgiven. That's not actually the gospel. That ends up being condoning hypocrisy. Yeah. And that is something that uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew comes out against. He says, don't deal with the speck in your neighbor's eye without dealing with the log in your own eye. And rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And we, we have this uh, charge in Scripture to not be hypocrites. And to, we're, on the one hand, we're not to say, oh, you need to deal with your sin, well, I don't deal with mine. But we also have a charge that if our brother sins, you are to go to him and show him his fault. That's in Matthew 18. And we are directly called to do that in order to gain your brother and in order to continue to build up the body of faith and to build up the community of faith. And so... And that's going to include removing the log from your eyes so exactly. that you can yeah. see clearly to remove well, the speck from I, your brother's I think eye. And all these things play the, in. The building exactly. up of your brother is, is the critical part of this because I think too often for myself, I come at this from a perspective of I need to fix you. Because if I can do that, well, hey, look at me. I, I managed to fix you. I'm a pretty good dude. Woo! Good job. I pointed out your sin. You acknowledged it. You repented. I'm awesome. Let me check your shoulder and make sure you didn't dislocate it reaching around your back. <laughs> I know. Um, and, and even in this, there's the recognition of, okay, I might be doing that a little bit. So my tendency is then, okay, then I'm not going to call this out at all. Once again, we're back in the, in the same cycle. The, the recognition of our own sin should not prevent us from exhorting our brothers. But our brother, if, if our Christian life together is working the way it's supposed to, this is a full circle kind of thing where we are both encouraging each other. It's not me just coming and pouncing on you. It's us coming together and saying, look, we're both sinners. We both struggle with this. How can we do better? How can we encourage each other? How can we proclaim the gospel to each other so that it bears fruit in our lives as the Holy Spirit is working in us? That's The, the emphasis needs to be on that, not... I'm really bothered at you that you happen to enjoy this sinful thing over here, and I'm going to make sure that you stop. Well, and you bring up the point, you know, we haven't said his name here with it, but, you know, CFW Walther has this, this great book on properly distinguishing law and gospel. And, and, and you're dead right in bringing it up that, that, that this does play into our, our understanding of what are we trying to do here, right? But we got to remember the tell us the goal. Right, the the fulfillment of it, right, um, and and this is what I see happen so much is that we we want good works. You know, I had the question way back when. You know, uh, scripture calls us to do good works. You know, well, how do they fit in here, right? Well, the 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 goal here is saving faith in Jesus, right? We we got to start there. We got to have the conversation there because that alone will produce the truly good works. And if I'm just coming to you, even if I cloak it in spiritual language and you know wanting good Christian life and all those sorts of things, but I'm just coming, as you say, to just fix you or 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 to just say you know this is what we should be doing and so forth. But I'm not also having that conversation centered in the gospel of look. Where's your saving faith, right? Mm -hmm. Where's your trust? Uh, how does Jesus, you know, come to bear on this situation? Then, then we're just having a purely law conversation, right? 
just so much to continue talking <laughs> about. But but then the music starts playing, and we got to wrap it up here. Uh, let it suffice for this that uh, as we take a look at the small called articles, part three, article thirteen, how one is justified before God and does good works, saving faith and renewal produces in us a harvest of good works. That That is how it proceeds. So much more that we could continue to talk about with this, uh, but uh, hopefully you have been blessed by the conversation today. The good work of listening to this show which <laughs> seeks to be a faithful confession of our faith as we read through the Book of Concord. If you have any questions or comments that you'd like to leave for us the next time we convene for Concord, you can reach us at 1-800-730-2727 email kfuo at kfuo.org or you can find us on social media at kfuo radio mark that to concord matters thanks for stopping by today until next time keep confessing church